this is really some cool stuff, man. Not, not many churches are having to, you know, re, reorganize their gatherings so we can make some space in our auditorium because of the growth that God's given to us. And so we are excited. And I never dreamed that I would be preaching from a rock under a greenhouse with a tent all in the same place. It's pretty awesome, right? Never had a vision of that for crying out loud. Uh, but a couple things. Number one, thank God for cloud cover today, and maybe the Lord will grace us with kind of rain every Sunday until sometime in June. Maybe he will. We don't know. But if he doesn't, if you were here last week, it gets a little bright in here, and so this is a sunglass-free zone. I've said that quite a few times, and I'll keep saying it. So you might want to bring your sunglasses, put them somewhere, because it's a little rough on that side uh, if you're trying to look up here. But today, it's not bad. You can handle that a little bit. It's a little squinty. It's okay. We don't want wrinkles, but we'll, we'll embrace it for a couple months. Amen? Uh, second one is this, is I recognize we have one set of bathrooms, and that is it. So huge apology for the inconvenience of that. And we are working on, we do have some bathrooms that are down these halls. And so we're working on that this week to kind of make that secure uh, for kids because they go into our kids' classrooms and we can't open those up unless we've got those secure so no one can walk in or somebody can't walk in on you. That would be really awkward, amen? Um, and so we wanna, we wanna extend those to the ladies primarily. Um, so those will be an extra place for our ladies to go and use the restroom. Men, man, suck it up, amen? And we've got woods, all right? So you can find a tree somewhere, all right? But ladies, we want to make sure. Thanks for laughing on that one, all right? Some of you are a little nervous. Should I laugh at that? That's a little awkward and almost offensive. I don't know, but oh, so what, right? Amen? Um, but yeah, just want to say sorry, and, and hopefully we can uh, be more hospitable to the ladies. Another one, I want to real quickly uh, make a shout-out to, they don't attend this service, they go to the nine, but Tim Wiggins and Greg Cooper are two members of our church here that do a ton of work uh, with the HVAC here. And they have saved us thousands upon thousands of dollars. And they did a ton of work this week to make sure we had air in here uh, today. And so I know they're not in here, but I just want to say thank you by giving them a hand. All right? Yeah, they are a real blessing and a real gift to our church. And just thank God. Uh, for them. So yeah, I know uh, for some of us that was the third time that you might have seen that video. And I, and I promise it'll, it'll be the last one unless you get online and want to watch it again. But every time I, I watch that video, I, I do get a little emotional about it. Um, Ashley, was, Ashley Stevens, our surgery and kids director, was telling us uh, when we showed that on Easter Sunday, uh, she was crying and there was this new couple sitting next to them, uh, next to her, and she was, they were looking at her and then looking at the video and going, man, am I missing something? Like, what in the world? Kind of makes me feel like, uh, I don't know if any of you guys saw the play Phantom of the Opera. It was, it was here a few years ago. I had no idea what was going on in that play, for crying out loud. It was, it was awful. I mean, these guys were laughing around me, and I go, oh, I'm supposed to laugh now, right? It's like, it was worse. And so I think that's kind of how this couple felt uh, next to Ashley on Easter. But the reason why, like, um, it, it, it brings some emotion for those that have been here for a while is because uh, we have a tendency uh, to miss the hand of God in the day-to-day, don't we? We have a tendency to miss kind of how um, God has provided for us and the busyness of life. And it's when you take a step back, kind of like what this video does for us, and you, uh, you kind of gain perspective to some extent and you can kind of reflect and you can see you know, where God answered prayers in a really powerful, crazy way. You can see where, um, where God didn't answer prayers, right? Shout out to Garth Brooks, right? Amen. Uh, where he didn't answer prayers, and thank God he didn't, right? Can you imagine some of the stupidest prayers that we pray when we're like 18 years old and you're now in your 40s? Gosh, thank you, God, for not answering that prayer. It was so dumb, right? 
Oh, man. I, I know I can say that for myself. Maybe you can't. I don't know, but I can. But and at the same time, there, there are ways that um, God answered even prayers that possibly you should have prayed. Because Paul says he always does more than we ever ask or imagine. So it is a, a beautiful thing and to step back and look at what God's done over 20 years of our existence. And if there's one thing that we can know for sure, and that is this, is that the Lord has been really, really faithful to us as a church, even at times in spite of our unfaithfulness. So in case you don't know, about 20 years ago, Sojourn was birthed out of a, um, out of a deep desire and hunger to see God move in a very fresh and new way. It was a, a community of people that gathered together that, that recognized that we live kind of in what we would call a Genesis 3 world. Where there's beauty, right? We would all, I mean, we see some of it here. I mean, this is in some ways a beautiful little facility. But at the same time in our world, there's a ton of brokenness, loss, suffering, trouble, difficulty. And so out of this kind of like... Um, recognizing the reality of what we live in as a Genesis 3 world, questions kind of emerged. And they're on your screen here. One of them would be like this. What would it look like to be a community of faith where it's okay to acknowledge those things with honesty, with a, a real conviction that it's, that it's hard, it's difficult? What it would look like to be a community of faith that, that didn't paint on smiles but actually wrestled and we struggled together. God has been very faithful in honoring us and answering those questions in, in ways that we probably couldn't imagine because here we are 20 years later and across four congregations this morning we'll have 4,000 plus people that are gathering on a Sunday morning. And a lot has changed in 20 years. And some of you probably don't realize this. These are things that I've learned over the seven years I've been here. Sojourn started as being anti-building. <laughs> Isn't that great? That's such angst when you're young. Yeah, we're against buildings. Now we have five. <laughs> it's like, oh, man, that's so funny. Oh, we used to hide the offering box. It used to be in like a little dark corner. Never mentioned giving from the stage. That was what the, that's what the man did, right? We're not going to be that. And now we have a multi-million dollar budget. And every one of our congregations has at least done one capital campaign, right? And we highlight giving every single Sunday. It's not like, oh, let's, let's just skip giving. No, we're not skipping giving, right? <laughs> Ain't happening. Uh, we used to be the cool church, all right? Then I came on staff seven years ago, all right? <laughs> oh, hey, thank you. I love that. I love amens on that one. I was like one of two guys that were over 40, on our staff. I went overnight from being one of the young guys on staff to being one of the old guys. It's like, this is ridiculous. And I'm telling you what, when you're in your 40s, you're not cool anymore, all right? So Elliot is cool, amen? Don't we love him? Like, he's, he's got it, you know? But me, I got four kids and an old nasty car that I got to reach out and open the door or whatever. It doesn't matter. So there's Yes, a lot has changed, but I think if you've been here for a while, there's still things that are the same. There's, there's still a desire and a want to see God move in fresh ways. There's still a desire and a want to be a church that doesn't give canned answers to suffering. Like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be the coffee mug church or the 
and border pillar church where we're just giving, you know, canned little anecdotal answers, so to speak, to the difficulties and sufferings of life. We want to be a church where people can be honest. One of the biggest, I don't know, dangers or whatever's going on in Western culture, especially in evangelicalism, is, is it's just a culture of hiding. We're believing the lie of Satan that, no, don't confess your sins. No, no, you keep that in the dark. Oh, you have no idea what people are going to think about you or, or say about you if you come out in the open. But I want to be a, a place where we, we, we fight that through confession because it's when we bring sin into light that it loses its power. As long as you keep it in the dark, it's got power over you. And there's a lot of us in this room who are hiding. And I do, and I say this quite often, and I'm not saying, guys, we're there. We've got a lot of work to do here, but I feel like we've made strides in this. But I do want to be a place where brokenness is not the exception, but it's the norm. And so a lot of things have changed, but there's a lot of things that have remained the same. And so over the next three weeks, today and the next two Sundays, we've just kind of entitled it. A little series called Our Sojourn. And and all we're trying to do here is just try to kind of help you understand what we want to be about. Who we are. You know, what are we we honoring from our past that we're still going to continue to step into? And then what are we going to step into in the future? Like, what are we going to be about at Sojourn Community Church? And so if you're, you know, a regular attender here and members, some of this that you're going to hear over the next three weeks, some of it will be a reminder to you, especially if you've gone to the membership class. Some of it may be somewhat new for you. But if you're new, first time here, you just kind of started coming over the last few weeks, um, I, I pray that this is um, kind of an invitation for you to know our story and for you also to know how you can step in and what we want to be about. So today I just want to talk about our mission. What is, what is our mission? What are, what's our purpose? And if you look on the back of your bulletin, uh, you'll see it's printed there every single week, probably didn't know this, but now you do, and it's on our screen here in just a second. But our mission at Sojourn Community Church is that we exist to reach people with the gospel, to build them up as a church, and to send them out into the world. And this is not a mission that we came up with. Like, this is not unique to Sojourn Community Church. No, this is a mission that God has given every single church that's in existence. We're here to reach people with the gospel, build them up as a church, and send them out into the world. That's why the church exists. This is God's mission for his church, and our responsibility and call is to be obedient to it. And so that mission is rooted in what we call the Great Commission, and that's where we're going to spend our time together in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. So if you've got a Bible, I encourage you to flip there. If you don't have a Bible, it's probably a red one in front of you, and the passage of Scripture is also in your handout. So when we stand together in honor of reading God's Word. Matthew 28, the last four verses of this gospel says this. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. And when they saw them, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And when Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth is given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, 
and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. God, we are uh, humbled by the work you're doing in our midst. We're amazed at what you've done over the last 20 years through this church called Sojourn Community Church, birthed out of a group of teenagers that started gathering in an apartment. And Lord, as we, in some ways, God, begin a kind of a new chapter in the life of Sojourn, may we uh, be thankful for what you have done and long to see more. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So here's, here's all I want to do today. I, I think these four verses break up real easily. So if you're an outline guy, you're going to love me today. These break up real easy in three kind of like kind of movements. So, so God uses people. There's people that he uses for his mission. There's a plan that he's entrusted to these people. And then there's a promise that he's given to empower us to obey this command. So people God uses the plan he's given to us, and the promise. And I'm not going to spend equal time in all three so that you can kind of relax. So I'll spend a little bit more time in one and two, and then I'll kind of land the plane in number three because sometimes we get a little angsty. It's like, man, if he spends the same amount of time in number two and number three, we're going to be here for a while, so I promise. Number three, a little bit of a landing, all right? So, so it's, it's great to see kind of like um, what we see at the end of every gospel. So if you go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every gospel does not end with the resurrection, does it? It doesn't end with Jesus showing up, I'm alive, boop, I'm gone, right? I mean, it's in there toward the end, but every gospel ends with a mission because the resurrection of Jesus Christ does not happen for its own sake. The resurrection of Jesus Christ in his event, an historical event that then therefore who are followers of Jesus, who believe in this historical event, have been called by God and empowered by God to go and tell. Every gospel ends with a mission. And that mission, and the, the mission moving forward, God uses you and me. And I know it seems like a really obvious point, but sometimes I think we kind of forget that. God could have used any means to get his word out. He's God, right? I mean, you know, you get that goofy question with your kids. Can God lift a rock that's bigger than him? Like, well, all right, yeah, we're not talking about that. But, but here's what we do know. God can do anything, and there's other ways that he could have got his mission out if he so chose to do that. But he primarily says, no, the mission is going to go forward through people like you and me. I mean, look what happens here. In verse 16, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told him to go. And when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Look, guys, the number 11 limps, <laughs> right? It's not strong like number 12. Even saying 12 sounds strong and perfect. 11 Right? It does. It's kind of like saying Drury. You can't say my last name and smile at the same time. You can't do it. Drury. It's just weird, right? It's like, it's such a downer. I hate that I got a, not hate, but you know, Drury. It's like so lame. 
And that's how this is here, the 11 disciples. This is a broken, weak, lame group of people. Guys, this is not the A-team, and maybe I'm dating myself a little bit there, right? Uh, this is not, you know, the dream team. I'm dating myself again, amen? Or here you go, here's the Avengers, right? Loving, that movie's coming out here sometime at the end of this month. That is not what's going on here. This is 11 people who are limping. This is a weak group. They are lame, guys. This is not a powerful representation who's going to conquer the entire world with the mission of God. And I love what Matthew chooses to add in verse 17 there. And once again, I would say it it gives internal evidence that the Bible is the word of God. Because if you're making this stuff up, you're not keeping verse 17 in there. But we're not making this up. The Holy Spirit is inspiring Matthew on what to write so that those that sit around here in 2018 can be greatly encouraged by what he says in verse 17. Did you catch that? It says, when they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. Isn't that good news? I don't know about you. There's been times in my own Christian walk that if I could just see Jesus, right? If I could just touch him, you know, just kind of embrace him a little bit, then all these doubts and wonderings would go away. That is not true. Here are these 11 guys. They are seeing Jesus with, his, with their physical eyes, and there's still doubt. They're still wondering, is this for real? What is going on here? Am I hallucinating? I read one commentator <laughs> this week who unpacked five different ways you can interpret verse 17. And I just go, man, that's a lot of wasted space. Amen? (laughs) It's like, let the text say what the text says. Because all of us in this room experience this. Both worship and at the same time doubt. That that, That in the midst of them seeing Jesus, these followers of Jesus Christ believed in him, and at the same time, there was a measure of unbelief that was swirling around in their souls and swirling around their heads. Just like all of us in this room, there are times where we have to live with both and present in our lives, both worship and awe and wonder and struggle and difficulty, right? So like, like, let the text say what the text says here, and the good news is this. It's not that your doubts are just welcomed here in this church, which they are. Like, we want your questions. You're welcomed here if you're doubting. But listen to me, it's better than that. Your doubts and your questions are welcomed in the very presence of Jesus. Because Jesus knew what was going on in their interior world, and Jesus did not step back. He drew near. He stepped forward. Early on, one of the desires that Mark Sojourn Community Church, and I, and I would say it still marks us today, it was this. We want to see if Jesus can be found in broken places amongst broken people. The mission of God has always been fueled by flawed, imperfect people 
who want to see Jesus move in a powerful way. I guess you, you've got to get this. If you're going to flourish in any church, not just ours, any church, if you're going to, going to, to some extent, make it in any local church, you've got to come to grips and understand that the church is both beautiful and broken. It's both powerful and pathetic. Both are true. Matt, I mean, I love our church. I'm telling you guys, you guys, I've been here for over seven years, and this is one of the most encouraging congregations that I have ever been a part of, not just for me, but for our staff in general and elders here. Man, you guys are amazing. I'm serious. You really are, and I love our church tremendously. And there's times over my seven years here where I'll, I'll connect with people after services, and, and they'll come up to me and say, man, Lyle, I love this church. And this church is for real. You know, I love the authenticity, the, the honesty. I even like how you sweat up there sometimes, man, the spit flying. Man, I just love this place. And I usually will ask, you know, well, how long you been coming? And usually they'll respond, hey, we've been here for about a month. In the back of my mind, I don't ever say this. <laughs> back of my mind, I'm going, ah, give it about a year. <laughs> or give it a couple months you'll find out that this place is messy also. This place has a lot of brokenness. You'll find out this place will disappoint you. And you'll find out I will. Because a church, is, it's like a marriage, isn't it? It's like friendship. It's like any relationship. It's going to be messy. It's going to be hard. And at the same time, it's going to be beautiful. And it's going to be powerful. Because you've got to get this. For you to understand this mission that God gives us, we've got to see that Jesus uses broken, limping people like you and me to accomplish his mission. There were 11. 11 broken, limping people rolling in here. Guys, I don't know fully what all this means. We just got done reading this in our liturgy this morning, but guys, I do want to be a place where we are weak so that the power of Jesus Christ can shine greater. I want to be a place where we, we put our weak foot forward, not just our strong foot forward. And I don't know fully what all that means, but I want the power of Jesus to be on display, not the power of any kind of strategy or coolness or leadership or whatever. You know, just throw something else in there. I want Christ to be put on display. And if that means we've got to be weak, I want to figure out what that means. Because that's who Jesus uses for his mission. Not strong, but weak people. Eleven limping, broken, messy guys. Secondly, look at the plan that he gave this group, and he's given us also. Verse 18, and then Jesus came to them. That's where I get this idea that Jesus then stepped back in the midst of their worshiping and doubting. He drew near. He came to them. He stepped forward to them. And he said this, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now, you got you to understand this. Verses 18 through 20 uh, kind of function like a sandwich. I know it sounds really weird, but, but bear with me. So verse 18 is an indicative. It's a, it's a declaration of reality 
The last part of verse 20 is also an indicative. It's a declaration of reality. And then in the midst there, you've got a command. So between the command are these two promises, these two declarations of reality. All authority has been given to me, verse 18. And I'm going to be with you always, end of verse 20. Therefore, go. The only way that we could step into this command, this mission that God's given us, is when we understand the two realities that sandwich this command. And the first one is that all authority has been given to Jesus. And what does that mean? It basically means that Jesus is the CEO of the universe. He's in complete control of this entire world. Now, guys, look, it's so big for us as a church to get this. Because if you take verse 19, which is the command to go and make disciples, if you take that out of its context and just kind of make it stand on its own, then the question is, why? Why do I need to go overseas or to my neighbor and tell them that they must worship Jesus? Why? I mean, that seems arrogant if you take verse 19 out of its context. Because if you put it back in its context, the reason why we go and tell people that they must worship Jesus is because Jesus is Lord. What's our sacred confession that we announce every time we do a baptism is what? Say it out loud. I just said it. What is it? Yes. And that's the reason why we go. Look, you don't go to your neighbor and, and share with them about Jesus because their life is miserable. Or because they lack joy. I mean, I don't know, some of you might look at your neighbor and go, man, their life looks awesome. And they don't have Jesus, right? Like, well, like this is going to be really, I, I just know there's something in your life that's miserable. And I want to tell you about Jesus that's going to make your life a lot better. No, the reason why your neighbor needs Jesus is because there's one Lord. One who all of humanity owes their allegiance to and worship to. He has all authority. The reason why you need Jesus is not just to make your life better, but because there's one Lord, period. Now, vicariously, I think your life's going to be a whole lot better submitting to that Lord, but that's the primary reason why we go. So look, look at the mission here in verse 19. Therefore, go and what? Make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded. I love this. Jesus doesn't use these kind of like, um, you know, these preachy words that are more associated to mission, like go and preach, you know, go and convert people, or go and win people for the gospel, or whatever. That's not what he uses here. I love this word that he uses. He uses this more kind of a slower, sort of a low-profile word called disciple. And in our English translation, it's kind of hard to see this, but Make disciples is the only verb in that phrase. All the other things in that phrase are participles. So go, I know, you didn't think you'd get an English lesson when you're coming to church. Just bear with me because I'm not a great English guy, whatever. But I do know this. All right, so go. <laughs> Thanks for laughing a little bit. All right, so go, baptize, and teach are all participles, which are then therefore helping us understand how we go and make disciples. And so this this concept, this disciple-making, means basically making a student of, to mentor, to apprentice. It's highly relational. It takes time. 
and patience. And I'm not going to get into the weeds this morning and show how all we do this, but I am going to say this. Like sometimes I feel like we've overcomplicated this. We've made this way bigger than what Jesus intended for. I think in essence, all Jesus is saying this, go and share your life with someone. That's it. Don't worry about it. It's almost like we feel like the disciple-making process is kind of like this, you know, uh, you know like a factory where we got to don't stamp disciple, here's the information, bonk, here's the next guy, bonk. No, it's, it's, it's different than that. There's a liveliness to it. There's a relational piece to that where, where you are coming alongside someone or a group of people and you're just sharing your life. You're giving evidence and witness to what Jesus has done in history, but more specifically, what he's done in your life. You're not just kind of going after their head, you're also going after their loves, their desires, once. Look, guys, you can do this. If you call yourself a Christian here, you can make disciples. Now, how do I know that? <laughs> Look where it started. A group of 11 broken, messy, lame group of men. You can do this. Sometimes I feel like uh, we have a tendency to sort of um, insulate ourselves from this text and what I mean by that is sometimes we have a tendency to say, that's kind of the professional's job. You know, so let's, that's the church leader's job to kind of figure out how the church is going to go and make disciples. And you kind of inform me on how you're doing that, but I'm going to go and live my life. And I just want to come to you and say, look, this is not a leadership mandate. This is not a pastor mandate. This is everyone who calls himself a Christian. This is our call. This is our purpose. This is what we are about, not what I'm about. Not just what Sojourn Community Church is about, because Sojourn Community Church is made up of people. And my conviction is that the best place for people to become Christians and grow as Christians is in the local church. Or another way I'll say that is this, the primary means, not the only means, but the primary means by which this mission is fulfilled is in the context of a local church because it's the place where these kind of relationships can be formed and fostered. I think one of the challenges that we have had as a church that has grown is complexity. So when we first started, obviously, you know, we were one church in one location. And now, 20 years later, we're four churches in four locations. And that creates a lot of complexity. And so to give you kind of perspective of this complexity, all right? And so I'm not saying this so you feel bad for me. You know, I'm, just, I'm just trying to give you perspective of the complexity that you probably don't experience or have any clue. Last year alone, 2017, I was a part of about 130 meetings that was not directly related to this local church. Indirectly it was. 130 meetings. In one of those meetings, I think it was Jamal, who's our lead pastor at our Midtown congregation, he came in with a bookmark uh, that uh, Sojourn handed out in the early days. And this bookmark was their core passions, 
<laughs> don't you love that, right? Well, maybe you don't. I just think it's kind of funny. But they had their core passions. They had things like, you know, bold love, creativity, expectant gatherings. And another one was this, simple structures. And the tagline to the simple structures was this, and I think it's on your screen. Because doing church should never get in the way of being the church. Simple structures. Doing church should never get in the way of being the church. I don't know about you, but I think 130 meetings in one year is probably getting in the way of being the church. So one of the things that um, myself, Brad House, Jamal at Midtown Congregation, Kevin at the East Congregation, and Joan at the New Albany Congregation, one of the things that we've tried to do over the last few months is say, okay, how can we do this together? That is, that is, that, that feeds locally, that gives life locally. Here's the question. This is what we try to do. Like, this is the question that we tried to answer over these last several months. How can we do this together? Because I thank God for guys like Pastor Jamal. I truly do. There's a guy who's, who's helped me see things that I'm unable to see because he comes in with a different perspective because he has a different color of skin than I do. He has opened my eyes to blind spots that I never knew existed. I thank God for that man. I thank God for Kevin Jameson at, at our East Congregation who has wisdom beyond his years. There's a guy in his 30s, and I'm going to him for counsel, advice, direction, Man, an incredible encouragement. I thank God for Jonah Sage, who's the guy that leads our New Albany congregation, who is a life-giving, joyful presence. Every time we have meetings together, I just want to go give him a big hug. I love this guy. He's an enormous blessing in my life. And we want to do this together. Yeah, we could have separated and done our own deal and done fine. But we don't. We want to do this together. But the question goes on in a manner that's life-giving. Because I don't know about you, but 130 meetings is not life-giving. Maybe you like meetings. I don't mind them. But 130? So in a manner that's life-giving, and I kind of made up a word here, and convictional feltness. And my Microsoft Word thing was freaking out about that, and everyone moved the the red squiggly lines. It's like, no, but that's, that's what I want. I want a convictional feltness that the local church is the priority. And that's not how it's been over the last seven years since I've been here. We want the local church to be the priority. Like we, look guys, we, we, don't, we don't want to lock arms together because we think we can do more together. We want to lock arms together because we think we can do better together. I'm not convinced a standalone autonomous church is the best way to go. Not for me. And I've been at this for 27 years. I want to do it with, with a group of men and a group of churches like we have. Because I think we can do better together. So we want to move away from identifying ourselves as one church in four locations. That's not who we are. We don't want to identify ourselves as one church with four campuses. Because we realize that this this thing called sojourn is not a brand, right? It's not a, like, a style, right? Like a style of dress, you know, jeans and flannels. That's not sojourn, right? And then we used to talk like, that's not the sojourn way. I'm not sure what that is, but 
I used to say stupid things like that too. And it's like, no, that's not, that's not us. Sojourn is, is, is local churches. That's who we are. We're four local churches that are in unique and diverse context. That's who we are. That's our reality. That's what we want to move forward. One name, sojourn, but four local churches. And I know that makes it a lot of questions possibly for you, and just know that we have a members meeting coming at the end of May that will kind of give the details of what does that look like here and what does that mean for us and the transitions that need to happen. But hear me right now. It's what I want you to hear. The reason why we're doing this is to better empower you, the church, to go and make disciples. Because we convictionally believe that the best place for people to be introduced into a relationship with Jesus and grow in that relationship is through the local church made up of broken, messy, lame people like you and me. And I want to see what God can do through a group of messy people and do some powerful stuff. So that's the plan. And then let me end number three with the promise. Look what Jesus said. And I'll do this quickly. And surely... I am with you always, the very end of the age. Notice that he, that he doesn't say, surely I'll make this easy. Surely I'll make this so it's not awkward and weird when you talk about Jesus. There's a reason why it's easier to talk about Kentucky basketball, not just because they're awesome and amazing, but there's a reason why it's easier to talk about Kentucky basketball than Jesus. Because the devil and all of his hellish crew doesn't give a rip when you talk about Kentucky basketball, but he does give a rip when you talk about Jesus because the devil and the hellish crew understands that Jesus is Lord. They get it. And they will go after any local body who wants to raise the name of Jesus above every other name. So Jesus doesn't promise it's going to be easy and not awkward. It's going to be hard, and it's going to be really awkward. He doesn't promise that if you stay on mission, it'll feel like you're succeeding. I don't know, man. I tell you, I don't know if those 11 guys felt like they were succeeding. I bet they felt like they were losing a lot. He doesn't promise, hey, no harm's going to come on you. I'm going to put a hedge of protection around you. All 11 of those guys died a martyr's death. So it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really difficult. You're going to possibly have to sacrifice your life for this mission. But I'll be with you. Always. I'll never abandon you. And we know that this promise is fulfilled in the book of Acts when the Spirit of God comes and dwells in us. And that Spirit of God is the very Spirit of Jesus Christ who is with every single one of us in this room who calls himself a Christian. And that Spirit is fully in you to comfort you in times of difficulty and hardship and give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. But that Spirit is also here to empower you. Empower you to obey the commands that God has given for us to move forward in mission.
So I'll close with this. I had, a, uh, had an opportunity to sit down with a good guy, a good friend of mine named Freddie T., uh, Freddie T. Wyatt, he used to kind of help us out with college ministry back in my old church, back in the, um, uh, the latter 90s, early uh, 2000s. Great guy. Um, he's moved back into Clarksville, Tennessee, because of where he's from. Uh, they're getting ready to plant a church. He started kind of some of the, the groundwork of that in January. And so we got a chance to kind of hang out a little bit on Wednesday. He came by here, and he's in, he was at a conference that was going on um, in our downtown area. And so, um, so, yeah, you know, Freddie had just turned 40. Uh, it's kind of weird for a 40-year-old to kind of plant a church, but I was really encouraged by him jumping in and planting a church. And we were talking together a little bit. And one of the things that we, uh, uh, we were talking about is how um, uh, we grow weary with all this vision talk that just so permeates our culture, especially within uh, church culture. And he, and he said, you know, I, I, he said, I'm experiencing it firsthand because I'm going to these churches and these leaders and these pastors and trying to raise support, trying to get, you know, i got to get this bad boy off the ground. And so... One of the first things that they do when we sit down is to say, all right, Freddie, tell me your vision of your church. And I love Freddie's answer. He said, you know, I don't, I don't have a vision, but I do have a conviction. Now, please hear me. I'm not, I'm not saying there's not a place for vision, and Freddie T's not either. Yes, there's a place for us to seek the Lord and See what he wants us to do, how he wants us to be, where does he want us in the next five years, and we're doing some of that work. We're doing a neighborhood study over the next three months to kind of identify the needs that's going on in our community so that we as a church can step into. We're doing a church health survey in the month of June in order for us to see your needs, what's going on in your life. Our elder bodies since the beginning of this year have been working through some material, just praying together and seeking God's direction of what he wants. How, he, how does he want us to fulfill this mission that he's laid before us? But I do want to say this, all right? Do you want to say this? Sometimes I wonder if vision language is more Western than biblical. And I know some of your pushback will be, what about Nehemiah? And I hear you. But Nehemiah was called for a unique time and a unique purpose. God gave him a vision to go and rebuild the walls. But we have nothing about what happened before that in Nehemiah's life and what happened after that. I don't know about you, but I can't say this. That 20 years ago, when this group of teenagers were gathering in their apartments, they had no vision of this. None. Nobody's going, I got a vision. Some guy's going to preach from a rock, right? <laughs> Under the tents, in a greenhouse. And it's going to be amazing, right? No one. But they had a conviction. And I share that conviction, and I want us as a body to share that conviction. And that conviction is this, is Jesus is Lord. And every person on this planet needs to hear that good news. And he has commissioned us as a local body to step out and go. That's the conviction that every one of us have. Now granted, granted, you know, we're praying, we're seeking, maybe the Lord is faithful to us, and he shows us kind of a unique niche that we need to step into as a body, he may give that to us, but he may not. But that doesn't mean we're going to flounder, because we have a conviction, and that conviction is to remain faithful to the mission that God has revealed to us. Reach people with the gospel, that's why we're here, build them up as a church, shape, form their desires, their wants, their loves, 
so that they'd be more and more like Jesus Christ and to send you into your world embodying that truth. That's what I want to make sure we remain faithful to. So that 30 years from now, when I'm not here, right, I'm not going to be here at 78, guys. I'm just telling you, all right, I'll know when to push eject button. I'm not going to hang on, all right? But I want this to be a thriving, gospel, Christ-honoring presence when I'm not here or any of the elders are here any longer. But there's a new crop, a new generation here. And so we have an opportunity to build something beautiful. And so what I want, I want us to remain faithful to what God has shown. And in the midst of that, say, okay, God, what else are you laying on us? What, what else do you see? What, what else can we step into? And the question that I'm asking myself and I'm asking you as a body, is that enough? In a consumeristic suburban culture that all of us swim in, and I'm not saying anything to you, I'm saying it to me. We have been duped into believing it's never enough. Never enough. And that mindset comes in here. And so I'm asking the question for me, is that enough, Lyle? Is that enough? Are you secure to say, man, we're going we're gonna, we're gonna to plow forward. We're going to remain faithful to this mission that God has revealed. Is that enough for you, Lyle? Is that enough for you? My prayer that it is, because there's still a lot of work that needs to be done in this community. There are thousands of people who do not know Jesus. Thousands. And we have a, have a beautiful opportunity to carry that message. And may we step into it. Let's pray together.